You're listening to a podcast for sinners and sufferers, having conversations about theology, faith, and culture for weary souls in need of grace. My name is Cody. And my name is Kyle. And so, Kyle, I've been buying a lot of uh, things online recently, mm-hmm. and I tend to have not great luck with uh, looking at like previews of things online and getting the wrong things. So, like, I bought this, we're designing some shirts potentially stuff like that for sinners and sufferers this graphic is about twice as big as i thought it was gonna be (laughs) it's okay it's okay i'm just rocking it but uh i ordered some glasses online and it's something that i've been like kind of cautious about doing but now they're like like i see zenny optical everyone's sponsored by them we're not sponsored by them in fact this is always (laughs) this story might scare you away from them um, but they're like, oh yeah, use our online tryout thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try it on, try on the glasses online. I was like, looks great. Buying these glasses, been waiting ages for these glasses. And I'm, I just want to get your, your, uh, genuine reaction here. So these are my regular glasses. They pretty did I just age 10 years or did I just age yeah. 10 years? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of uh what to say. They're absolutely um, Santa Claus glasses. <laughs> you know, this is very um specific and niche, but you kind yeah. of um with those glasses start to look like the guy <laughs> in Stranger Things season two who's um, who's trapped himself in a bunker and is a huge <laughs> conspiracy theorist. <laughs> oh, no, that's even worse. But uh, so it's so funny to me because so it was uh, my birthday a few days ago. And um, mm-hmm. it was, I don't know, I haven't really like celebrated my birthday since COVID. So it kind of just like came and went. And then so I've had a few people being like, wait, wasn't it your birthday recently? And I'm like, yeah. And I've had on Sunday... The pastor is like, wasn't it your birthday recently? What are you now? Like 24? It's like, uh, I'm 29. He's like, oh, okay. And then I met <laughs> someone new, hadn't talked to before. And he, uh, I was just talking about like meeting people our age at church. And he's like, oh, well, how old are you? Like 24, 25? I was like, oh, I'm 29. And I hear him say under his breath, oh, he doesn't look that old. <laughs> and I was like, that's nice. I guess a lot of people it, take that as a compliment. Yeah. It's, I guess it's nice. Like 29, I don't feel like is that old that I'm embarrassed by it anyways. But with these glasses, do I look like I'm in my thirties or do I look like I'm in my thirties? <laughs> anyways, you're just preparing for the next few years of your life. Uh, switch back to my, my hip cool ones. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So that's uh 60 bucks. I'm never getting back, but I mean, at least so wait, I, I missed this. You ordered this from a company that you saw on Instagram from an ad was so they've existed for a while, but they've been like a lot of YouTubers I'm seeing are being sponsored by them, which is what made me think, okay, maybe they're legit because some of these people are like, yeah, all of my glasses are from this company. I'm like, well, if you're actually, you actually wear glasses and you're wearing them and you're saying they're normal and they fit and stuff. But I apparently just have a ginormous head. 
because in the little preview thing, these looked, and what I was going for is like big, like classic aviators that are kind of like bug eyed, and I thought that might be a fun look. Uh, but they're they're very small, <laughs> and apparently I just have a ginormous head. And they're little. Like I took a photo of myself and uploaded it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, his head must be normal sized, so it looked fine." But no, but it's they're cheap. So like I guess you're not a glasses wearer. Right. So these glasses, I mean, uh, what are they? Like I'll say you're you're paying at least two hundred dollars for like nice prescription glasses, sometimes up to four, depending on like the frames and the coating and stuff like that. And your prescription, my prescription is like like was it Mr. Magoo? Like I'm just I desperately need glasses, so I actually have to pay more for how thick my lenses are. Um but yeah, I guess online glasses shopping is not for me. I don't know. Have you ever had well, something <laughs> like so you had the opposite reaction to what I would have if a bunch of YouTubers were promoting something like glasses. I would have been like, well, they're obviously probably not that great because like I am so wary of that kind of thing now. So I'm so we have a friend who is like uh, I think she listens sometimes, but she's like a, an influencer on mm-hmm. on Instagram. She does like hiking videos and stuff. And so um, through that. I've kind of learned a little bit more about how like the influencer game works. But one of the things, uh, and she's really good. She's actually like honest about the products and stuff. Yeah. But there, so like, that's a rare occasion. I think in my, in my mind, there is a, a food blogger, um, that I was following and I unfollowed just yesterday Mm. for this reason. So when you're promoting, um, when you're a, you know, an an influencer like that and I follow you because you do like food from a certain city or something, um, I'm following you because I want to know what, where the good restaurants are. Um, but obviously there's the element where the company is probably paying you to come to their place and try it out. And so Mm -hmm. you almost feel obligated to say it's good. Um, this influencer you know, they've done things like there's a new dim sum restaurant um, in the plaza right beside us. They went there and we were like, sweet, it's open. We went this Sunday. But a couple of days ago, um, she promoted a 7-Eleven chicken sandwich and <laughs> said that the chicken sandwich from 7-Eleven was really, really tasty and crispy and so good. And I was like, that is a 100% lie that you, you posted because you got a lot of money from 7-Eleven. So I unfollowed her because I don't believe that for yeah. a second. It, in her defense, have you had 7-Eleven's chicken? Because depending no, on the 7-Eleven... I've had other 7-Eleven food and has not gone well for a lot of my friends who have had that. So one time, for whatever reason... Uh, cause I like convenience stores cause there's things you can get like, um, I just like weird drinks is kind of why I go to them. Um, but I was in one and they're like, Hey, want uh 10 chicken strips and 10 potato wedges for $10. And I'm like, what a great deal. <laughs> Can't pass that up. Right. <laughs> um, but actually it was pretty good. 
But I did learn that it depends because I was like, this chicken's really crispy. These potato wedges are really crispy. And then I went to another 7-Eleven. I was like, give me your 10 bestest, tastiest tenders. And they're awful and they're just like chewy and, and gross. But I think, it, yeah, I guess it just depends on the location. But I've had some decent 7-Eleven chicken. <laughs> they're trying so hard yeah, to be taken I, seriously too, 7-Eleven is. But uh, just... Stick to Monster and Red Bull and Arizona iced tea and gas. All right, wait, they don't do gas. So don't even do that. Don't bother. <laughs> don't get into that game. Stick with the, the drinks. Yeah. So the moral of the story is if you see an ad for something online and it's not for our future Sinners and Suffers merch, it's probably not worth it. All right. Well, we are continuing our discussion on the topic of free will. This is a part two. So if you haven't heard part one yet, I recommend you go back and listen to that, though. This will also this will kind of stand on its own. We're just we're picking up. We've been reading through the 1689 London Baptist Confession in its chapter on free will. And we're going to be picking up like mid chapter today. So if that bothers you if you want like the full context then go check out our previous episode on free will first but today we're we're going to be focusing on um wow i should have thought through how to explain this kind of the the restoration of will because last week we talked about the bondage of will how you know a heart corrupted by sin influences our will because our will ultimately is is driven by our heart so if your heart is corrupted by sin your will is corrupted your will is in bondage to sin um that's what we talked about last week and now we're talking about your will once you know you're in christ like what happens to us when you know god steps in when your heart is is being restored when you're being justified uh what happens to your free will then yeah, and I'll uh, I'll read the paragraph this week Sounds using good. the 1689 to guide us along this journey, and then, uh, and then we can get into it. Um, so if you're following along, if you want to read it for yourself and make sure we're not making it up, um, this is chapter 9 of Free Will, paragraph 4 and 5. When God converts a sinner and translates him into the state of grace, he frees him from his natural bondage under sin, and by his grace alone, enables him freely to will and to do that which is spiritually good. Yet so as that by reason of his remaining corruptions, he does not perfectly nor only will that which is good, but does also will that which is evil. The will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to good alone in the state of glory alone. So what we're going to get at today um, mainly is this idea of what happens when God saves us and converts us. Um, what happens to our will in that moment? Is it still directed towards sin? Do we still have that kind of tugging and pulling or should we be free from that now? And then ultimately what we'll get to is what happens in the end, the, kind of the end goal of our, of our lives. 
Yeah. And if you if you got a little bit lost in some of that only old English wording, don't worry, we'll break it down. It's actually I feel like when I was reading it, I didn't stumble, but then when I was listening to you read it, I was like, wow, that is really awkward wording, but it's pretty pretty straightforward. The first point we want to hit is um I love the wording here. It says when when God converts a sinner and translates him into the state of grace. I don't think I've ever heard uh, that language in any other context that being like, you know, we, we say born again, and we'll talk about that. We say converted, you know, justified, redeemed, but translated into a state of grace is very specific wording. And I feel like they did that like very intentionally. I feel like they probably labored over this sentence to word it this way. Um, but mm-hmm. I guess the the idea of of translating is that you're being changed like substantially, like it, it intrinsically you're, you're the same person, but you're now a totally new creation. Does that make sense? Does that sound weird? Follow, um, it sounds it better, weird, but it's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Like the, the whole idea of being born again is we're talking about it spiritually, right? So um, I think, there, okay, so there's there's people who um, have life really rough before they come to Christ, they came to Christ. And then like there's this radical moment of they hear the gospel, they um, are regenerated and they believe and their life is just so different right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um And there's even like, you know, automatically, like there's some people who will just completely do away with the way of life that they were, they were doing and will be doing the complete opposite. And there's a very clear outward change. Mm. I think a lot of people though, um, who, who are Christians do, uh, grew up in a Christian home. And, uh, so they've been taught kind of Christian, doctrine or faith um they've been taught kind of the morals of christianity even in like more conservative areas there's still kind of that almost foundational baseline christian kind of ethic to Mm -hmm. their life and how they would be raised and so when someone is born again and um regenerated you often don't see the change as much as you you know, expect from what the Bible says, but there actually is a huge change that's happening. Yeah. Um, it's just on the more, we, we tend to look on the outward appearance, right? So when it's talking about being born again, it's speaking of that spiritual reality. Yeah, that's fair. Well, and that's what we're talking about is with free will is what really is changing, what's guaranteed to change when you're translated into state of grace, when, when Christ takes a hold of you, and takes hold of your life is that your desires are going to start to change and your will and your motivations are going to start to change. And I think that, yeah, it's a great example. when you talked about people who grew up in the church. Cause I, I mean, we both have a like similar experience though, different like Christian contexts, but a similar experience where like, I, I said the sinner's prayer when I was like four or something like that. <clears throat> like, and I was a good 
uh, on the surface at least. And as far as my like adults and my parents were concerned, I was a good Christian boy. You know, I did all the good Christian things, but I'd say like when I talk about God working my life, it wasn't until I was like 17 that I really was like, all right, this is real. I'm giving my life to Christ and my desires and my will. And internally something started to change. And yeah, like my parents probably were like, what, <laughs> what happened? Like, cause, cause yeah, you don't really see it externally, but I can tell like, you know, different motivations, not is angry is a big one for me. And that's something else that people have known me since I was a teenager. We'll see, like, I have just chilled out since, uh, really like, like declaring Jesus as Lord and submitting to his authority. Um, but yeah, I saw this, this tweet and hopefully this isn't too much of a shoehorn, but I saw this this morning and I thought, man, this is perfect. And it's from, uh, Sam Alberry, Alberry, I ruin everyone's name. It's okay. Um, he says, <laughs> okay, I know your name is Kyle McDonald. There we go. Uh, Sam Alberry says, desires of things God has forbidden are a reflection of how sin has distorted me, not of how God has made me. I might think I was born this way, but Jesus says you must be born again. And you know, Sam Alberry, if you know his deal he's he's clearly referring to very specific things so very specific like sinful leaning sinful desires it's part of his testimony but this is so true of all of us and you see it a lot where people are like oh i'm just like a naturally angry person it's naturally have a short temper um or like even, and, and I'll preface this by saying I do have a diagnosed anxiety disorder, so I'm not being insensitive. Like that's, it's not what I'm intending to say, but people who are like, oh, I'm just naturally anxious. So then it's okay. Like there's a difference between the anxiety I feel because of my anxiety disorder and the anxiety that I have when I'm just legitimately not trusting God and not trusting his sovereignty. Um, so I can see a lot of ways where that that's real, where the reality is that we're being called to be born again, that this like, Oh, that's how I was born. Doesn't mean that's how God wants you to be. Yeah. I think that's a big, um, Sam Albury is like kind of really grown to prominence in recent years, um, because of his writings. And I think a lot because of this message specifically, um, because it's very different from what you're hearing even from the church sometimes, but especially from the world is that the way you are is the way you should be. And you should be, you know, you should be proud of that and you should, no one should tell you that you need to change or anything. But what Sam is pointing out and what the Bible points out is that everyone needs to change. Everyone needs to be born again. Um, and this comes to the, the idea of being born again or regenerated, whichever term you want to use. Um, versus just adding Jesus to your life. Um, I think generally the philosophy of the world, if they're, if they're at all accepting of Christianity or Jesus, I know there's going to be some conservatives out there who are like, the world isn't at all. Mm. Follow with me for a moment. But in, if there's any point at which they're okay with Christianity, it's that idea of adding Jesus to your life. So it's like you can have a little bit of 
Christianity, you can have a little bit of Jesus. You can have a little bit of church because it makes you feel good. Um, you get a great community there. You know, you have friends there, whatever. But the moment that we start talking about being born again or being regenerated, um, a change in our desires and in what we want, that's when it starts to get harder for a lot of people. But that's what the Bible calls us to. And so we often talk about Jesus and, and church and our Christian, Christianity as additions to our lives, where really it's a complete overhaul of our life. Um, whether you see it, again, on the outside as much or not, mm-hmm. um, that's what's actually happening in you is a, is a regeneration. Yeah, there's a... I can't remember the the, the author now, but I, I was listening to, a, to an author interview on a podcast where he talked about when we think of our time, like time management, we make a pie graph, right? And then we think, well, I'm going to add another sliver of my pie graph for Jesus. That's like the Jesus sliver of my pie graph. But he's like, no, the reality is Jesus is now the chart. He's he's the the border around your pie graph, everything you're doing every part of your your life is just permeated with Christ and 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 faith really influences your entire life like real faith isn't contained to that one to two hour church service um i mean that's something that when i was working in a church as a pastor i, I community groups was part of my responsibility and i was always always like harping on people to get in community groups cuz i'm like what a great way to just like just meet people with a common goal of following Jesus. And it's a great way to just be thinking of him, to bring him into to everyday life. But um, I think of whenever this topic comes up, I think of Acts 19. And this is one of my like go-to, I'm asked to speak with zero notice and they tell me I can speak on anything. This is like one of my go-to sermons is in Acts chapter 19. Um, it's kind of like the middle chunk and it's the... Uh, you know, Paul's doing these great works uh, in, in Ephesus. In Ephesus, if you go in the cultural background, they're really into like witchcraft and charms and little trinkets that do magic things. And Paul's doing these great works. So they're like, sick, another form of magic we can add to our repertoire. And some guys go and they're, they're trying to cast out demons in Jesus' name because they saw Paul doing it. And the demon basically says, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who the heck are you? And he beats these guys up. And it's what strikes me about this story every time is it says, uh, this is from NASB, because that's just what my phone was set to. It says, this became known to all who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Also, many of those who had believed kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. So these people, they believed. They believed in, in Jesus and, and Yahweh is the real God, but they're still holding on to their old practices and talks about them bringing out all their scrolls and all their trinkets and they burnt them and it cost is like so many millions of dollars Canadian or something is what it worked out to but they they weren't serious about it they thought they were just going to add him onto their life as like an extra little gadget extra little trick up their sleeve is like I'll just pray to Jesus if it, if I feel like my other you know my own means aren't working but when they saw that that's that's not how it works that God is real and active and he's not a vending machine. That's when they went all in. That's when they said, okay, 
it, I'm not adding him to the to the roster. He is everything. Yeah, and that's the I think that's the distinction that um, needs to be made as well. With we're talking about our will and God changing our will is this attitude of like going to church on Sunday is because I want to, mm-hmm. um, and because I partially because I know it's good for me. Like there's definitely some mornings when I wake up, I'm like, I have to be at church in 30 minutes and I'm dead tired. But I I know that's what I need for the week. Um, and, and when you're not connected to a church like that, it's, it's so difficult on you spiritually. And so talking about the changing of the will, like your desire is now for those things not in seeking some sort of righteousness or something to feel good about yourself with, but like actually looking at something like a church service or even a community group or whatever, and being like, that's something that's good for me and something that's useful for me and something I enjoy doing because it's bringing me closer to Christ. Um, And that's the, that's the change in the will. That's the being born again. Um, Once again, it's not like we're saying, you know, you're born again, therefore go to church every Sunday, do this, do this, do this. But it's a change in your, your like desire to actually want to do those things. Um, it's, it's always shocking to me when, um, someone doesn't really take their faith seriously in the sense that like, we all go through times where we're not as like spiritual as we want to be. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not doing the things that we, that we know we should be doing but I'm talking about like just outright doesn't care about their faith, but they come to church every Sunday. And like, to me, my mindset has always just been like, why would I, again, why would I even wake up? Why would I make the effort to go? Mm-hmm. Um, and the only reason is because my heart has been changed and I know that that's what I, what I need for, for the week. That's a, some nourishment that I need um, to sit under the preaching, to sing together, to, communion all these things yeah i get i guess yeah the the passage i immediately think of whenever we talk about this is the philippians 2 13 for it is god who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure he he works in us to give us that ability to to will rightly that he frees us is actually our, our freest state. The, the point um, where, you know, we have the freedom to choose God. We have the freedom to choose to please him. And we still have the, the freedom to sin and to reject him. And that's why we're told, you know, choose this day who you will follow. Um, and we're constantly being called to deny ourselves, to take up the cross, like, uh, again like we're not we're not robots we harped on that a little bit last episode like the choice is ours and and with that there is this reality that we do have some corruption in in us like you know john says first john 1 8 if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us like i know and i've i've known people personally who are kind of in the like um, I think it's a Wesleyan holiness movement where they're like, we can be 
fully sanctified in this life. We can be fully righteous and like, I haven't sinned in four years. Like, man, <laughs> like what? Like yeah, how? There's a, there's a Todd White clip. I, I can't remember where I saw it, but this, this preacher or whatever he is in the States, mm -hmm. Todd White, was like, I haven't lusted after a woman in 12 years or whatever. And I was like, that is such a lie. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's, it's, an, it's crazy though, because like, that's kind of, you still, you almost think of that as like, oh, that's something they used to believe. Like we could be sinless or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can easily get this attitude of like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't sinned in a long time. I haven't done this in a long time. Um, where the reality is there is this remaining corruption that we have to deal with. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel like it's so easy to lose sight if you start thinking that way. And, and of course, you know, I, I feel like whenever we talk about this, I worry that people are going to be like, oh, auntie, know me. And you think we shouldn't even try to not sin. Of course, we're saying like choose God, choose to please God, put sin to death. But, but yeah, acknowledge that we're still sinners. But I think the, the, the temptation is when we're working or we're becoming righteous, if we really start to believe that we're making ourselves righteous, it, it cheapens the gospel and we lose sight of the fact that it's actually Christ's righteousness that saves us. It's his righteousness being imputed to us we can only do anything good because of that. And that's where this phrase, which I love, uh, I might, I might get it tattooed, uh, simul justice et peccator. Um, it was kind of a, like a, a key <laughs> slogan of the reformation that Martin Luther said all the time. And it just means, you know, a simultaneously justified and sinner because you're justified by Christ. Well, at the same time, you yourself, are a sinner. And I find that that's comforting and like encouraging and empowering, but at the same time humbling and it keeps us in our place and keeps our eyes and our hope fixed on Christ. That's what we have to deal with, with the rest of our life too. Like our life on this earth is this comfort and hope and joy that we are justified in Christ. And yet we still have this struggle with, with our sin. We've talked about it a lot before but Romans seven is like the passage to go to, to um, see this struggle described by Paul. Um, just this, like this great desire. And I think this is where like a lot of us, myself included have, have a really difficult time with this and understanding the, like we are justified part in our life because mm -hmm. we we look at our sinfulness and we look at you know uh, so I know I should be reading the bible like I know that I know it's good for me I know that's something that will benefit me and I should want to do but uh, there are times where I will not read the bible for for quite some time and then in my mind I start thinking this like this is my sin coming out this is my the remaining corruptness as, as the 1689 says. Um, and you can easily start to question, am I actually saved? Because like, mm. is this me starting to not persevere or, or whatever? Right. Um, and that's where I always have to remind myself. And I always try to point other people to the fact that even that desire, the, the acknowledgement that like, I'm 
living in a way that I shouldn't be living. And I should be trying, I should be wanting to do more that is honoring to Christ. Even that desire is almost the, the glimpse of that justification that you need. If I can say that, mm-hmm. um, you, that little bit left in, especially when you're really deep, down deep in it to be like, okay, I haven't been living the way I know I'm supposed to live, but I, there is still this desire to do that. And I don't feel right not living in a way that's honoring to God. And that's that almost sign of the justification of Christ in you, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that you need in those times to be reminded you're still a sinner. You are going to struggle with this sinful nature. You're going to have to fight it every day, but you're also simultaneously justified because of Christ. Mm. Yeah. I remember what movie it is, but there's a quote that I remember some scene in some movie where I I think it was some kid was like, am I a good person or am I evil? And they're told like evil people don't worry about being evil. And it's like a little bit corny, but I think there's, there's some truth of that, that if you're like, Oh, I keep sinning. I keep upsetting God. That makes me upset. That disgusts me. I'm so hurt by this. I'm frustrated. Then that's a good sign. That's the, the work and the conviction of the Holy spirit. Totally. But yeah. And I think, uh, like John Piper talks a lot about fatherhood. He uses a lot of fatherhood metaphors and I feel like it's such a good one. And because I mean, I'm not a father, but I can even look at my dad and I'm like, I know there are times I've disappointed my dad. There are times I've like absolutely ticked him off, but he reminds me all the time that he loves me and I'm welcome. And every time, like honestly, anytime I'm like, Oh man, my job sucks. He's like, you should just come live at home. <laughs> like, No dad. But like, <laughs> but, and then, and my dad is a fallen sinful person. Now imagine like a perfect loving father, a heavenly father, like, yeah, you're going to disappoint him. Yeah. You're going to frustrate him, but he's not going to stop loving you and calling you his own. And that's such, that's something that I feel like, um, is almost like hard. It's hard for me to talk about and it's hard for me to read. I found, especially, you know, being kind of in this reformed theology camp is we're so much highlighting like judgment and justice and the glory and majesty of a God that it, we we forget that he actually just loves us too. And even in our failures, he wants us to keep coming to him in repentance and that he's always there waiting, welcoming us. Yeah. And that's where we want to end today with that final paragraph, which is very short. It's more like a sentence than a paragraph. Um, but it says, this will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to, to good alone. Is that right? To good alone, right? Yep. Sorry, I'll read it again. This will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to good alone in the state of glory alone. Meaning that we are constantly looking towards that final, you know, there's tons of terms for it. Final glorification, final rest, where... Um, all is finally made new and we're no longer that like simultaneously justified yet sinners. This, the sin is gone. So first Peter five, four, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Christ comes back. And when you, when you meet him, you're going to receive an unfading crown of glory. He's going to reward you for 
your faithfulness. Um, and then uh, uh, some verses that we were talking about just before Revelation 21. I know everyone's scared of Revelation, mainly the middle half. I get it. But the end of Revelation, chapter 21, um, is really pointing us towards this and what this final glorification looks like. Um, chapter 21, verse 3 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And that is a picture of glorification in its fullness speaking to us individually right where there's there's no longer going to be, be any sin there's no longer going to be any death because death is a a result of sin um there's no not going to be any mourning crying pain all those things are going to pass away and the this one phrase is like something you can really hold on to where jesus says i am making all things new and that's what we're what we're looking towards, and that's what the this paragraph is saying, right? That the will of man is made perfectly and immutably free to good alone in the state of glory alone. There will be a day where we will no longer be struggling with our sins still, but our complete and utter will will be will be completely free from sin, and our only desire will truly be for for Christ when we're dwelling it he's dwelling among us that's good i don't i don't think i can really add to that but i'll say i'm man i'm looking forward speechless. looking forward to that day it's hard to even conceive of a day where there's no wrestle where my only desire is to please god and i think that's just going to be so awesome and so freeing well thanks for listening we 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 appreciate you, especially those of you who make it to the end. And if you're the people who listen to all these closing remarks and you're our extra favorite, uh, we want to hear from you. If you have any comments, questions, snide remarks, uh, if you want to let us know if you disagree with us, if you agree, if we've taught you something, if, uh, if you want to correct us. We've had a really good chat in our Discord recently where Kyle was called out on it being wrong. No, where, where someone just challenged something that we said and it was so good. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, I always, if someone challenges me, I always push back because I enjoy that. But I feel like I learned things. It was good. So we want to have some conversation with you. Instagram, YouTube comment, join the Discord. We want to hear from you.